Welcome to the Media Leader Podcast. I'm Omar Oaks. The Duracell bunny of advertising. That's how IPTV describes peak time TV spots because they say their benefit keeps going and going. ITV, alongside media investment analysis company Viewers Logic, has recently published a cross-market study that proves the value of airtime, peak time airtime of responsive advertising. They say that peak TV spots deliver direct responses in the short term, but their hidden value is in their longevity, generating responses long after other TV spot advertising has finished working. Now, to join me, we have Neil Charles, who's measurement and modeling senior manager at ITV, and Ronnie Golan, who's CEO and co-founder of Viewers Logic. So, Neil, start off. Explain why this is significant. Why? How you? How your research has uncovered this? Well, so um, thanks, Omar. So we'll we'll pretty start with why we did the study. Um, and it was as we're looking out there. I think we we often tell stories around how advertising works um, and around particularly how peak advertising works. And so sometimes we'll talk about brand um, versus direct airtime and th- there's a story that's that's told i think by advertisers by agencies and and by us at itv about there there is a larger effect of peak so so peak is a brand building medium peak does things in the long term um, but for us in the innovation team there was a some lack of evidence to show that um, so in terms of backing that up and looking for whether that story was true so what we wanted to do was build a study that allowed us to look for longer term effects from peak um, than other types of TV advertising. So the, the advertising running during the day. Um, and that's where the hidden value of peak came from. So we, we went in neutrally, you know, asking the model this question, is there a longer term effect of peak? Um, and the models were able to find one. And so so we've been able to, to show these results saying, if you're looking at ROI measurement, response measurement on a sort of fairly short term basis, so anything up to about a week, you will be underestimating return on investment of of all airtime, um, but in particular, you will be underestimating the uh, returns on peak by more, and that's where we think the real value of the study is. So, so we estimate that on on daytime spots, so even on those, you would be less than half the true ROI. So you'd be measuring an ROI if if you were looking up to a week. So you're saying I, I'm I'm going to measure my response up to a week from when the spots went out, you would be undercooking your ROI by a half. Um, but for peak, it's less than a third. Um, so there's a there's a general underestimate from looking at only the short term. And then there's an extreme underestimate for peak because it's creating more of these long-term effects, which is what the model showed. So an advertiser who was doing that, who was looking at responses only over, I mean, in the extreme five minutes or a day or a week, will see results that shout at them that daytime works best, that the peak has a lower ROI. And what these models are saying is you only see that result if you look in a in a short-term basis. If you look in a longer-term basis over three months like the study does, then then it swings back the other way. Um, and the study is able to do that. And perhaps we'll come on to it, but the study is able to do that by looking at partly viewers Logic's unique data set and then partly 50 brands all at once um, rather than just a single brand. And how does that go against the intuition about how marketers would think about response versus brand building advertising and how you should buy it? Well, to be honest, I think it probably fits the intuition, which is quite nice. So, so like I say, I think we, we, 
we hope when we do peak advertising, you know, from from an ITV point of view, we charge more for it because it um, it has higher demand for it from advertisers and it um, creates longer term effects, or we we think it creates longer term effects. So, in terms of the expectation, this study I think is showing what you would expect from um, models like uh, the IPAs, large studies, um, that's that sort of thing that you are seeing these long-term effects. Where, where it's contrasting with what an advertiser might see is you get forced into looking at the short term because it's what you can measure. So if you're finding that conflict of we're doing advertising, hoping it's creating longer-term effects or expecting it to create longer-term effects, but in terms of measurement, we're always forced towards the short term because it's much, much easier to measure because you can see these nice big spikes that are created by spots in, in web traffic or in sales. But it's very difficult to do over a long-term period. So I'd, I'd say our study is backing up the expectation that Peak does more, um, but contrasting with potentially the measurements that people might have in-house that are saying, well, no, Peak is, is a lower ROI because those measurements may well be looking at only a day or only a week, um, if you see what I mean. That, that, yeah. that's, that's where the contrast is coming from. Mm. And Ronnie Golan from Viewers Logic, I mean, start off by explaining um, how you helped ITV do this research and, frankly, why they couldn't do it by themselves. So, in general, what we see is that the only way to really understand media behavior is use single source data. And I'll explain what it is. The problem is that today media is measured in silos. And in many cases, what happens is that if you want to understand the effectiveness of TV, you need to buy one data set on what, what people watch on TV, a different data set on what they do online, and then you try to fuse them together in order to understand behavior. The problem is that in these cases, all you get are very wide correlations. You can't really understand how people behave. The only way to really understand behavior is to change the way we measure. And instead of measuring media, start measuring people. Measure what the same person does, watches on TV, does online, does in the real world. Now, this is not a novel uh, uh, idea, okay? The idea of single source data, this term was coined in the 60s of the previous century. But since then, it was considered the holy grail of the industry. And like any other holy grail, it was considered something that is just impossible to do. Viewers Logic is the first company that succeeded to solve this technological issue and create single source data. So we have a panel of people in the UK of around 10,000 people where on each one, we know everything they watch on TV. We know everything they do online. We know everything they, uh, every store they visit in the real world and every purchase they do in the supermarket in the real world. This enables us to really understand uh, behavior because we, we, we measure it over a long period of time. We can actually see how the behavior changes following watching an ad. And is this change permanent? When does it stop? Etc. So. Because of this, we could look at people at their exposure during the campaign, but see the behavior of the same people two, three months afterwards to see whether there still is an uplift in their behavior, in their uh, purchase. 
So um, the implication of that is, um, do you think that maybe it's a maybe it's a media owner problem? Maybe media owners in general um, don't have the capacity to be able to prove um, the longer term benefits of response advertising in the way that this this research tries to. Oh, totally. I think that in general, if you look at measurement of media today, most of it is wrong. Okay, even if you look at the thing that is the most basic. Let's look at uh, online ads. Online ads is very simple to measure, presumably, because all you need to see is, okay, someone saw the ad and clicked on it. But in fact, the measurement, this way of measurement of online ads is very problematic because what we can see in our data, once you look at single source data, you can see, for example, that people who click on an online ad were primed by TV to do it. So in effect, when Google or Facebook or any other online um, uh, company says, we give you a ROI of X, this is not true because this, is, this ROI is also uh, based on the TV uh, advertising. And what we see many times with companies is that they stop TV advertising because they say, okay, all our, uh, everything comes from the online advertising. They stop it and suddenly they see how their cost per response start to increase online. So in general, single source is important for measurement of any media because nothing happens alone. Okay, there are uh, the, the TV effects online, online effects uh, mobile, etc. And only if you measure the entire exposure you can really understand the effectiveness of media. So Neil, is that something that bears out in um, the numbers that you see internally at ITV? I mean, how, to what extent are direct response advertisers ignoring P-Time, if I can put it that way? Um, I'm not sure it's an ignoring. It's it's a, a difficulty proving the value of potentially, which is, which is what this study speaks to. So, um, one of the things we did, I mean, in terms of that difficulty of measurement, I think it's a, it's a fair challenge to say, are we measuring well? Are we, you know, even even up to the gold standard of things like, um, you know, fully fledged econometric modelling? Where are the difficulties? Where are the where are the problems with that? And one of the things we wanted to do with this this value of peak study is to say, actually, some things are very very difficult to measure just for one advertiser or one brand. Um, so if you have even if you have single source data, actually, some things are quite slow mechanisms, quite kind of shallow, small, but long lasting mechanisms. And they're quite difficult to measure for a single brand. So when we built this study, we've, we've picked off the top 50 largest uh, advertisers on ITV1 just to get us a, a kind of big data set of brands. But I think it's fair to say, and you know, within that, you'll end up with brands like. I mean, it wasn't wasn't built at the the low level for any single brand, but it, it's brands like Specsavers, brands like eBay are, are within this study, and that's the kind of the joy of the viewers' logic data set is we can see people visiting those websites without having to work with the individual advertisers to do it. But the models don't work even on individual level data coming from viewers logic at a single brand one at a time. So no one of those brands could have run this model on their own. It only works because you're rolling up 50 brands for a year and saying this, this quite sort of small, but very long lasting effect from peak. Can we see it? Can we, can, when we, when we aggregate up lots of brands, can we start to see it? And the, the, would be a few individual brands within there that, that might be able to, but in general, you could be the best analyst in the world on a single advertiser working on 
the best data and you still wouldn't be able to get it. You have to roll up at least tens of brands to make this kind of study work. And then you can start to say, all right, well, we've got this lovely short-term spike that everybody's good at measuring. Um, and when, when you're working on a single advertiser, that's kind of what you end up measuring by default because it's what you can see. It's what your models can see is, is a day's response or a week's response. Um, what this study is saying is that there is a smaller response that we're measuring out to three months. It, it probably goes further, which is very difficult to measure on a single advertiser because it's not that big, but it lasts for three months. So you're contrasting this kind of short-term big fat spike that's quite nice and easy to see within a day or seven days with something that's much smaller and harder to detect, but lasts a whole three months. And when you add up that whole three months, it's worth more, which is which is kind of where our differences come from at the end of the study, why we're saying you'll undercook the peak effect by two thirds um, versus undercooking the, the daytime effect by a half is because there's that more longer term effect. But it's it's really, really important to be saying the, the reason why this study works. I mean, to give, to give you a couple of numbers, um, so we've rolled up 50 advertisers who are heavily web transactional. So they were driving to a website. So, we're, you know, we're measuring web visits here, but that's meaningful because we're deliberately picking advertisers who have a web destination. But just within the study, um, for the individuals on Viewers Logics panel, we've got 14 million individual advertising impacts tied one-to-one -one with the individual visitors with 236,000 unique visits. So you imagine the scale of that. Suddenly we're talking about being able to detect effects that are, like I say, quite, quite shallow, quite kind of indistinct and difficult to get for a single advertiser, but super important because they last for so long. Um, so for, for any individual advertiser, you know, struggle to measure, but, but the fact that they're there and the fact that they last four months rather than a day or a week is super important to get the ROI right and to get the balance of your media right. So the, the implication of not taking this into account is you kind of eyeball a report that, that looks at ROI within a day or a week and go, well, maybe I'll turn my peak spots down or maybe I'll turn them off entirely and move the money towards daytime, which we do see that argument. You know, you, you do see that that discussion coming from particularly response advertisers of, well, I can measure the response coming from daytime and it's it's got a good ROI and I can measure kind of the same level of response coming from peak in the short term, which again, we see in the study, but they're more expensive. It doesn't work. Um, but it's because it's so hard to get that long-term effect. And as Ronnie was saying, what, what the viewers logic data set allows you to do is say for the individuals, specific individuals who've seen ads in the past three months, what was their probability of visiting? And, and you're, you're building models off. Um, I can see people who've seen the ad in the last seven days. What was their probability of visiting? I can see people who've seen ads in the last month, specific individuals, what was their chance of visiting? And all the way out to three months. And we stopped at three, but you know, potentially with a bigger data set, you could go even further and start getting into what what is this response? I mean, it's it's kind of a... It's, it's what we'd usually call branding, but we're being more specific about it, I think. You know, building slowly in the long term, and this data set lets us measure it. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about um, the time periods, Ronnie. I mean, is, is it possible to extrapolate this into longer than 90 days and see if the effects go on for even longer? Sure. So from the data side, there is no problem because we have data going backwards three to four years on the same individuals. 
So there is no problem to go beyond three months. Um, I think that it would be harder to measure the effect. Let's say if you look at a year after, it would be hard to measure this effect. And I also think that it's kind of, you know, intuitively, it's very hard to say that someone saw an ad, let's say one ad a year ago, and it has an effect after a year. So I think that uh, yeah, if we go beyond that, probably around four, five, six months, we'll see that the effect is kind of dying if there is no other uh, media uh, campaign running at the same time. Yeah, um, it's definitely interesting to see three months that you can at least measure the effect after that long. I mean, in general, Ronnie, how would you expect um, the the demand for broadcast advertising to change over time given these findings? So I think that a lot of advertisers need to start and separate between the facts that they can see in research and the hype. Uh, because if you look at it today, there is a lot of hype around online advertising, VOD, etc. But when we look at our data, the bread and butter for most brands should still be linear TV. If you look at the time spent by their target audience, it's linear TV. If you look at the actual ROI they get from the um, uh, from linear TV, it's by far the highest. So what I hope will happen is that because brands are now able to measure their entire media uh, mix and see what really works and what doesn't, then they will be better at splitting their budgets between the uh, different media. And so this is in general about all media. When it comes to TV, I do think that again, going beyond the uh, five minutes, 10 minutes attribution that show you the daytime really works and understanding the actual effect over a week, a month, three months, will enable uh, brands to also change the mix within the uh, t within their TV advertising and put more money on the places. It, it, it has to be a kind of balance between brand building and direct sales. There isn't any campaign today which is just brand building or just direct sales. So I do hope they will now understand how to do it in a better way to maximize the ROI of their TV campaign. I mean, that's an interesting point, Neil, isn't it? I mean, generally you think of online advertising and VOD being a, a form of online advertising as being more heavily direct response versus brand building. I mean, the implications of this research, I mean, what, what do you expect to see going forward in terms of response versus brand building? And particularly as more and more inventory, more demand comes onto VOD platforms like ITBX. I mean, I'd say the, the the simple implication is if if you're looking at a report that's based on short-term response that says, for example, you know, daytime and peak are quite close in terms of ROI, maybe daytime is slightly ahead. Then you've got you've got something to take into account here to say, well, hang on, if 
we can at least use benchmarks to stretch out to three months and adjust these and say that the expectation over longer might might be that say peak would be creating a bit more um in terms of vod it's really interesting so we've been talking a lot in the in the innovation team um at itv and then out out kind of in the in the wider commercial team about well why do we think this happens so why would peak create longer term effects over daytime um and the models obviously can't tell us. The model's just a statistical measure that says it, the, the effect exists. Um, it doesn't tell us why. So hypothesizing it's, you know, you, you're in, in mixed in with, with more premium brands, um, partly due to the pricing. You're mixed in with more premium programming, which can create potentially a, an effect that daytime doesn't have being being in that premium environment and then you translate that across to vod and go well how how might this work in vod when somebody can see the ad whenever you know they could be at home during the day watching premium programming because that's how vod works so so the daytime and peak distinction might go away but if you believe that the reason for the daytime and peak distinction that we are measuring on linear tv is due to the quality of the programming, then potentially there's a there's an argument there for VOD. I mean, we'd have to do a whole new study to see if it's true in the same way as I'm telling a story now that we don't really have evidence for. So so we'd be looking at a value of peak style study to go, well, does VOD work this way? But if peak works this way because it's a more premium environment, then you might expect the more premium environments on VOD to do better um, and potentially shows that are larger, shows that are kind of better production values, the sorts of stuff you would find in peak might work at any time during the day in VOD because they are premium content. I don't know, I'm hypothesizing, but that's kind of the implication of the study is we've measured an effect here which says uplifts on peak last, last for longer. You put spots in peak, the returns, as you said, the Duracell bunny at the start, you know, the returns keep coming. When we stretch across to VOD, the question is why do we think that mechanic exists on linear and given that it does exist on linear, how might it exist in VOD? We don't know yet. I'd love to do a study, you know, to say, and we're, we're potentially picking this sort of thing up with some new techniques into next year in, in the innovation team is, um, again, one-to-one -one data matching between individual ad impressions and response that, get, that gets you to a longer time period. But what sorts of content and why might this effect exist in VOD? Because maybe it's not daytime and evening time slots anymore maybe it's something else um within vod that says that says premium that creates this long-term effect what's, what's your hunch do you think vod is going to kill these traditional day parts no uh, it's quite a difficult answer um gut gut feel from me would be no i think it's it the part that's around the quality of programming probably yes because you can assume it any you know you, you can um consume it anytime you like when you stretch out into, well, what else is peak? Peak is family viewing. You know, peak is potentially more engaged viewing because you finished for your jobs for the day and you're actually sat down and you're actually engaged and watching it. So potentially some form of the, the time dynamic remains because of the mindset that you're in when you sat down watching at eight o'clock in the evening. But the dynamic that might exist because of the quality of the programming could move all over the day because, because suddenly people consume whatever programming they want at any time you know you can you can certainly watch your your high quality dramas at two o'clock in the afternoon if you want you don't have to wait till 8 or 9 p.m so honestly i don't know I'd, I'd expect probably some of the effect to spread out but maybe not all of it 
Interesting. And um, finally, Ronnie, I mean, um, you, don't, you don't need to get into specifics, but give us, a, give us a teaser. You must be working on more research, more things using this panel uh, data that you've acquired over these last few years to, to, to find out new and interesting things about media planning. Go on, give us, a, give us a sneak preview of what you're working on. Okay, so we have a few interesting uh, new products that we are now creating. One is we're trying to identify the uplift in search, in branded search following TV campaigns. So what we can see is that when you have a TV campaign, what it does, it, it moves people to start searching your brand name rather than a generic keyword. So for example, I'll search for Aviva rather than car insurance. Once I do this, the conversion is 10 times higher. Uh, to Aviva. So this is one thing we want to uh, measure. The other thing we are looking at is uh, to try to understand brand awareness. Uh, but to look at brand awareness, or it's not really awareness, it's a kind of brand engagement. And to understand how does uh, the effect of, the, of advertising change your behavior when you start your journey. For example, are you more prone to do a single brand journey or will you search several different journeys? Uh, the other thing is, does, is it, uh, will it change the position of the brand? So for example, we see that when people are exposed to a certain brand, they do, uh, they do tend to uh, start the journey with this brand and then the conversion is higher. So in effect, it's a kind of alternative to brand awareness studies, but something that can be done in real time on a weekly basis and not based on a survey, but based on actual behavior uh, of people. Uh, and we also look at it, how does this affect, for example, sponsorships and not only linear uh, advertising, but also online advertising sponsorships etc. Lots going on. Glad to hear it. Really great. Uh, perhaps we'll come on to talk about that in a future episode. Um, but for now, Neil, Ronnie, thanks very much for coming on the Media Leader Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks, Omar. Thank you for listening to the Media Leader Podcast. You can find and listen to all our episodes on our website at themedialeader.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts. But just remember, please do subscribe to be notified when we release our next episode. From all of us at The Media Leader, I'm editor Omar Oaks. Our executive producer is Jack Benjamin. See you next time.